What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show we're talking about some scary urban legends about animals and showing you that there's nothing to fear. Well, okay, maybe there is, but it's not what you think. From getting swallowed by a whale to a small fish going where no fish has gone before, we're going to see what you should really be scared of. Discover this more as we answer the age-old question. Wow, are you telling me that Grey's Anatomy might have stretched the truth? Joining me today is someone who puts the legend in Urban Legends, video essayist, and snake lover Maggie Mae Fish! Hello, Katie! Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I, I'm actually really excited for this episode because I like to be accurately afraid. Yeah. I don't like to be afraid of things that I don't need to be afraid about, but I like being afraid. So I like to aim it um, at those responsible, in this case, animals. <laughs> right, exactly. Like when I see a bear, I'm like, can I see like how big your teeth? Let me measure your teeth. Let me measure yeah. your claws. See if I really should be afraid of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you still cub or, yeah. you know, are you yeah. remnant level Oh, I bear? see that you've like bitten my arm off. All right. You're right. You 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 met you've meet the criteria. Me. You've yes. proven that I am afraid of you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that there are a lot of urban legends about animals. Uh, some of them are not really the truth, but mm-hmm. there is something out there that is just as scary. Ooh. So, which is always funny to me because I think it makes sense why we have urban legends because, you know, it's fun to be scared or mm-hmm. we're rationalizing our already existing fears. But then when there's something that's real that actually does those things, that doesn't quite make it to be an urban legend, it's like, well, okay. It's right there. You got the yeah. truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if you've seen this story yet, but uh, someone in Cape Cod, a lobster diver, said Mm -hmm. he was swallowed by a whale. 
I did see this. And I, I saw that um, his fellow fisherman backed him up and said, yeah. I absolutely believe that he was swallowed by a whale. Um, yeah. What do you think, Katie? Well, <laughs> so he said that he was completely inside the whale mm-hmm. and that the whale shook its head a few times before spitting him back out. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not going to call this man a liar, first of all, because he's a lobster diver in Cape Cod, and I don't, that's not the demographic I want mad at me. Uh, precisely. You could be the next yeah. bait that they put in the trap. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a kid Turn me into chum. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, also, I don't think he really is lying. I, I think that, but I think he may have misinterpreted what actually happened to him, mm. or at least maybe someone who was interviewing him put words in his mouth. I don't know. But I don't think he was actually swallowed by the whale. I think he was sort of swished around in a whale's mouth like some Listerine. Yeah, I was going to say the way that he described it, the first image that came to mind is like wine tasting, you know, like a like. Like, the whale was curious and was like, this human, you know, depending on where he's from, it could be a very salty human, it could be very sweet, could have some undertones. Um, So it seemed like he was just, you know, uh, test tasting. Yeah, this guy was like in his 50s. So he's like, yeah, this is this is kind of an aged human. It's got Mm -hmm. a nice bouquet. You know, Mm -hmm. swished it around his mouth and spat him out. Yeah, because there's actually no way for a humpback whale to actually swallow you whole. That's just not really going to happen. At least Mm not an adult like that. So humpback whales are not, they are carnivores, but they don't want to eat humans because they actually eat little tiny things like krill Mm. and small fish. So anything the size of a human is not going to mean food to them. Right. They would see it as like a flotation device, maybe a right. sentient flotation device. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Some some kind of strange curiosity to maybe taste but not eat. In mm-hmm. fact, they, they don't really typically want to taste you even. We're kind of just joking about the, the whale sommelier thing. <laughs> probably what happened was a mistake. So probably he was taking in a big gulp of water to mm. try to get some krill or get some small fish because they have baleen. They don't even have teeth to bite you. Mm. And baleen is like that. It's like it's got a bunch of brooms in its mouth or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's not teeth. It's to filter out. They, they suck in a huge volume of water and then goosh it out, push it all out and then trap all the fish. Uh, mm. in the uh, in, in the baleen. So like when it's a human, they, they can't even really bite you uh, right. with teeth. So they're not they're not going to chew you up and swallow you. Uh, it's a total mistake. Hmm. And their throat just can't accommodate a human. Like <laughs> typically the throat is only about the size of a human fist, like in diameter. Um, it can expand. Oh, wow. That's t- yeah. Especially for a huge whale. That is right. tiny. Because it's just for krill and tiny uh-huh. fish. It can expand to about the yeah. size or diameter of a pizza. And that's like the biggest it can really expand. And so for a human to fit mm. through that, like it would be a struggle because if it's about 15 inches wide, like about the size of a pizza, human shoulders are about 15 inches wide, if not wider. Mm. And so to get down the whale throat, you'd have to kind of like, like, Put your arms forward, like you'd have, super, yeah. You'd have to treat it like a slide, right? Like, you have to like what? dive into it, 
and like probably <laughs> lubricate yourself a little bit so that you go down, mm-hmm. coat yourself in butter. And then probably the whale's going to be highly resistant to this because it's not used to having something so big in its throat. So right. I feel like the human would have to be the one really trying to get down there for whatever. Man, I'm already in the mouth. If I don't get to the stomach, <laughs> this is not going to be a story. <laughs> yeah. Get out. Yeah. So, in fact, there's really only one whale in the world who could, without chewing, just easily swallow a human whole. And that would be a sperm whale who can and have swallowed giant squid. And they've found like a whole giant squid in their stomachs. But you're probably never, ever going to be swallowed by a sperm whale simply because they don't live where humans can easily survive. So (laughs) I didn't even think about that. It's a huge ocean. Yeah. Yeah, not only are they probably not going to pursue humans as prey because they just wouldn't really recognize a human as normal prey that they would encounter, but they also live, uh, the reason you've like, when you go whale watching, you typically don't see a sperm whale is they live at around 10,000 feet or a little over 3,000 meters under the sea. So encounters with, yes, we actually, it's a problem for biologists because we don't know that much about sperm whales given they live so deep in the ocean and it's not very Mm. easy to observe their behaviors. Like, I I don't even think we've, we know exactly like how their mating goes and all these things. There there are a lot of mysteries about sperm whales and and other deep sea living whales. Mm Mm-hmm. And they, they do come up to, to breach to the surface, but they, they spend a lot of their time very deep in the ocean. So a human diver would have a lot more problems to worry about if they're hanging out at 10,000 feet under the ocean uh, um, than getting um, swallowed by a whale. pressure, yeah. Yeah. Sinking into their um, yeah. the skull. <laughs> I mean, their lungs and internal organs would turn into a kind of uh, jello salad at that point. Mm. So... The furthest a human can dive without getting their lungs crushed is about 60 feet or 18 meters compared to 3,000 meters or 10,000 feet. So you'd be very, you'd you'd already be pretty dead at that point. You'd be extremely dead. You'd be big dead. You'd be big big dead. dead. Big dead. Hashtag Mm -hmm. big dead. Yeah. So, I mean, like the only time you would really encounter a sperm whale is one of the rare times they come up to, you know, because they are mammals. They do need to breathe. But mm-hmm. I f- don't think that they would particularly be in a hunting mood at that at that time. You know, they're they're like coming oh, yeah. up to to take a breath and then they'll dive back down. I, they don't like hang around and like, ah, oh, who's this? Is this a lobster diver? I'll try this out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why people don't typically get swallowed by sperm whales. So, I mean, and I'm thinking about like Pinocchio, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And if Geppetto got swallowed by monster or whatever that whale was like again he would already be super dead and jellyfied at those depths right pinocchio though he's like made out of wood so he could potentially go down to 10,000 feet under the sea without immediately dying but as soon as his wish is granted to be a real boy he would just instantly be crushed yeah by the weight of the ocean so you're saying in the film, uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto actually die within the whale and everything after that is yeah. just a fever dream of a, a puppet wooden boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, I don't think a whale's stomach is a big, empty, air-filled cavern. Um, <laughs> with fire, there's like right, a Right, with a little fire. fire and a whole boat. Yeah. The problem with that is actually a 
whale deep diving whales like sperm whales will push out all air that isn't like all the air in their lungs and certainly like they're not going to have a lot of air in their tummies so that when they go down and come up they don't get the bends uh which yeah. is a result of like the the uh, dissolving of air into the bloodstream it's it's not it's bad bad for your cells bad for your tissues mm-hmm. And then it's also their uh, th- their lungs, and, and because they do have lungs, again, they breathe air when they come up, they exhale and then inhale with their blowholes, mm-hmm. and they do fill their lungs up, but they have such a huge volume of blood, their blood gets oxygenated, and then as they uh, go down, their lungs can collapse and then push out all the air so that but by that time their blood is already super enriched with oxygen mm. and uh, their lungs are also th- their rib cages and lungs are sort of designed to collapse and expand so so they can withstand that whereas wow. we we can't we our frail yeah. bodies nah. simply cannot take nah, it <laughs> we're, we just become sort of i mean like mm. the out- exterior of our body probably won't look that weird uh like maybe our eyes will like blood vessels in our eyes will burst or something, but mm. inside it's going to be a horror show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, so do you know why sperm whales are called sperm whales? I feel like maybe I've been told, but I don't know what the truth is, quite frankly. Katie. Well, I'm going to admit that I just learned this, so don't mm. feel don't feel bad about don't it. Feel bad. <laughs> And I was thinking, like, there's got to be, like, an innocuous, because, like, it's, like, oh, sperm whales, oh, wait, you know. Can I guess? Boys. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I think maybe it has something to do with the thing, like, their blubber resembles sperm. Am I pulling? You're very close. You're very, okay. very close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. They are actually, they used to be called uh, spermacetti whales because inside the whale's head cavity, because, like, their heads mm-hmm. are very fatty, they have... Uh, it's not just skull and like they have a lot of sort of area around their skull. Mm-hmm. They have a waxy, oily white substance called spermacetti. And it's called spermacetti because people thought this was the whale's semen. Wow. <laughs> it's not. Wow. It is not. Um, uh, it is, in fact, a sort of waxy, oily substance that has nothing to do with reproduction. Mm. But because they were dirty sailors, they called them spermacetti whales. <laughs> yeah. And they made candles and stuff out of this. So it was It's so crazy because they, they're like, oh, yeah, this is probably the whale's sperm. Let's make some candles out make of it. Make some candles, yeah. family. <laughs> <laughs> but it is actually probably used by the whale as a resonance chamber in in their head to aid in echolocation. Mm. Or it could also, in addition, help with buoyancy, so regulating buoyancy. Mm-hmm. Because, again, like a lot of animals, uh, not just whales, but fish as well that are deep sea divers, uh, they don't want any like gases inside their bodies because that is a problem when you're under those pressures. And then mm. you, you know, so, so, uh, They'll burst out your head instead of your blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. They, they get, they get too, well, they, they get too compressed and then you can mm-hmm. get the bends. And so it just doesn't really work. So, uh, so fish often, instead of a swim bladder full of a gas, like, like fish that are more near the surface might have, mm-hmm. they have like oily substances in it. So similarly, 
these sperm whales, they're, if they need to regulate their buoyancy, they don't want to have any like air-filled chambers. They want to right. have an oily substance, a liquid that because liquid can't get that compressed, but mm -hmm. air and gases can become compressed, and that's a big problem underwater. <laughs> yeah. Hence, sperm in the head. <laughs> Hence, sperm in the head. Exactly. Hence sperm in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so. Basically, you don't need to worry about being swallowed by a whale. It's not going to happen. And this guy, again, mm -hmm. he was probably swished around in the whale's mouth, not really swallowed. You know, the whale. And what didn't... an honor, actually, yeah. at the end of the day. What yeah. an honor to be swished around. I know, by right? A whale. Right. Yeah. The guy was the guy was a good sport about it too. He's like, <laughs> I just like to apologize to the whale for like having to taste me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't. I don't really necessarily. I know that like you know. Fishermen like to tell fish tales, but I think he probably something did happen. He probably did have an encounter with a humpback whale, but it was mm. just a little it was a little love nibble by the mm. by the whale or, you know, a mistake. Probably it's like when you get a fly <laughs> in your mouth and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh you spit man. It out. Yeah, mm. that's what we are to whales. Well, but can we be swallowed whole by an animal? Is there such a thing? Yes. We could be swallowed whole by a reticulated python. Oh, boy. So, Snakes. You know, yes. I love them, Katie. I know you do. You have a little <laughs> python of your own. Not I a reticulated do. python, but uh, no. he's a ball python, right? Yep. Yep. Little tiny baby. <laughs> little Especially baby. Especially compared to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not going to he's not gonna swallow you whole anytime soon. But the reticulated python, while this is very rare they can swallow a person whole. And in fact, they have. Wow. So, giant reticulated pythons in Indonesia have been known to once in a while swallow a person and kill them. These pythons can grow up to 20 feet or six meters long and weigh up to 165 pounds or 75 kilograms. And their jaws can expand as far as its skin can stretch. So they don't have the same hinge joint that human mm. jaws have. Uh, mm. They don't. And I think it's often said that their jaws like dislocate. That's not really true because they're never located in the first place. <laughs> they They've never aren't. been located. <laughs> right, right. They just aren't. They aren't connected like a human jaw. So, mm -hmm. so they can expand their jaw as much as their mouth skin can stretch. And they can swallow enormous prey such as pigs and even small cows sometimes. And oh. yeah, unfortunately, this means they can also swallow a human. Mm -hmm. In 2018, a 54-year-old woman was killed and swallowed whole by a reticulated python. And there have been other cases of farmers and kids potentially getting swallowed whole by these pythons. It is very rare. So, again, even if you live in an area where there are reticulated pythons, your chances of being killed by one are very low. Mm -hmm. But when it does happen, it is very horrifying. Mm -hmm. So you might wonder, like, well, how can, you know, how could they just swallow a person? Like, how could they? Because, you know, you would imagine, like, you'd run away, right? You know, if, if a python's just you like try, trying. I feel like you try. Right. You know, maybe, yeah. Right, but they actually, it, it doesn't seem like a python could like outrun a human, but they're actually ambush predators and they kill ah! their prey. Yeah, they kill their prey by suffocating their victims. So they sneak up on you 
Um, and then they strike at their prey and bite down, not to inject venom because they don't mm -hmm. actually have venom, but just to hold you in place while they very like surprisingly quickly can wrap their coils around you. And ah. then once you're in those coils, you're kind of doomed unless mm -hmm. you're, you have a machete and you have the strength to like fight it off or there are people around who can help extract you. If you're on your own and you don't have any means to defend yourself, you're kind of doomed because mm -hmm. once those once it gives you that hug of death, it will literally crush you uh, until you can't breathe and then you will asphyxiate, which, ah. yeah, it's very <laughs> scary. It's a little less scary than like being swallowed alive, I think. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say the, it. It kindly puts you out of your misery. Before very it, sweet of it. Yeah, very, very kind sweet. of it. Yeah. Well, kindness has nothing to do with it. It just doesn't <laughs> want you to choke it, like to wiggle and fight while it's still inside of you, because that can kill. That can kill a reticulated yeah. python. You know, from the python's point of view, what what a masterful way to eat. You just you kill it, you crush it until it's just a tiny little tube of. Yeah, well, you know, like you can suck it down like a yogurt, like a oh, yogurt thing. Well, yeah. to be fair, they don't when they crush their their victim. Often the body is actually pretty intact. In fact, mm. this, is, this is a little bit horrible. <laughs> but when they cut open a uh, python, they can find bodies completely intact if they haven't started digesting them. And this includes, unfortunately, human victims who. They find their bodies intact, but they are sadly already passed away because they have been asphyxiated. So they actually swallow their prey headfirst because that's just easier, easier to go mm -hmm. in. When I feed my snake, yeah, uh, always eats the head first. And yeah. yeah, you see it like make it makes sense, you know. When it's yeah, just the body. Well, the it's like yeah. it's the arms, you know, it's, it, it's yeah. just kind of smooshes down pretty easy. Mm hmm. And they have very strong muscle contractions to get it down into their very expandable <laughs> bellies. Like you see one of these pythons and uh, when it has a big meal, it doesn't have to be a human. It can be like a pig or, or a deer or something. Mm -hmm. It like it's just there's this huge bulge in its stomach and then it can like not eat for like many, many months. Like it like if it has a big I, I think it can even like hold off for like over a year, like once it Whoa. has a big meal like that. Yeah. So unfortunately, both for the human and for the snake, uh, if it does eat a human, this is not ideal for the reticulated python. Obviously, it's not ideal for mm -hmm. the human either, but mm -hmm. clothes cannot be digested. So it will actually kill the reticulated python. If like often it is actually killed by by humans because like they're looking for a missing person they find mm. a python with a suspicious bulge and then they kill the python and when they do that they're actually probably sparing the python a lot of misery because they are not going to be able to digest all of that uh all of those clothes and they'll get mm -hmm. a stomach impaction uh they can digest bone though it's not necessarily that they they can like digest bone completely they but they can like they can they like they goosh it out like they they yeah. kinda, they they push out sort of um, they'll like uh, regurgitate sort of uh, the skeletal remains. Mm -hmm. um, Not to get too graphic, but yeah, when my uh, little python goes to the bathroom, there's like his regular poo, but then there's like a little ball of white, which is like the yeah. rat, like fur and bone, kind of all right. just yeah. 
congealed together. Right, exactly. I think they can actually uh, poop it all out. I think they only regurgitate mm-hmm. things if it's like too big or something. There's actually been pro- problems with pet pythons when they eat like accidentally like think a towel is food and then they eat it oh, and then yeah. they have to be taken to the vet for the towel to be pulled out. I've seen that video. Yeah, oh, yeah. Poor baby. <laughs> poor yeah. baby. Uh, poor of course, baby. we feel so sorry for for the python that ate a human. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I also, I feel very, very bad for the, the human victims. It's just mm-hmm. a sad, it's a sad thing all around. Like the Python mm-hmm. shouldn't be eating the people. And it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's just, a, it's a tragedy every way you look at it. Mm-hmm. When I say like, this is what you really should be afraid of. Not really. It's such a rare event. It's so newsworthy because in the last decade, I think only like a hand, like, you know, you could mm-hmm. count on one hand the number of people who have been swallowed by a python. Uh, so it's it's really not something that you have to worry about too much. But, you know, if a python, like, starts to, like, wrap around you, you got to take that seriously. Yeah, you got to start, you know, yeah. at that moment, you, yeah. you got to start thinking. Yeah. Um. But, it's, but when it happens to a human, it's actually, it's like you may think, like, well, why don't they, like, try to get away it actually does happen surprisingly fast. So once they like bite down on you, especially if you're yeah. like a, if, if you're older or smaller, like mm-hmm. as soon as they bite down on you and they, they can get around you really quickly and it can be really difficult to get away. So it's a really, really terrible situation. So next time you you feed your cute little snake. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't I don't want people to be to hate snakes. They're they're really cool, really cool animals. This only happens very occasionally. Yeah. And it's more like they, you know, they don't know what they're, they don't know what you they're know. Doing. They yeah, don't they know. don't understand. They, no. they don't, uh, you know, they, they, they just snake. They're just little uh, noodles who like to eat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't know that they're eating someone's grandma. They, they have don't. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we talked about snakes 
And now we're going to talk about spiders, two of the people's most favorite animals. Yay! Um, <laughs> yeah, spiders are often really maligned. There are a lot of stories about spiders, how scary they are. Mm-hmm. Typically, though, they're really not out to get you. Right. They eat mosquitoes, which I have yeah. always seen as, uh, you know, Very a positive. huge help. Very yes. positive. Yes. Yes. We're typically the ones that are actually out to get spiders. Yeah. Uh, there's this recent story in Perth, Australia. Police were called by a neighbor of someone who heard a man yelling, why won't you die? And the sounds of a crying toddler. So police rushed to the house and it mm. turned out the man was just trying to kill a large spider. Oh, my God. That is really funny. He apologized to police. He said he had arachnophobia and was Mm -hmm. panicking. And of course, the toddler was crying because daddy was scared and there was a giant spider. There's a giant spider. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think think it's somewhat relatable thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like to kill spiders, but when they are really large... Uh, mm-hmm. like alarmingly large and I know they're going to startle me. I try to at least get them out of the house because mm-hmm. like, you know, I, it's like I don't like to be startled by a spider. I don't like to sort of look down and there's like one on my arm that freaks me out. Right, right. If you, I, yeah, if there's one big enough in the house that I notice it, I would like it out of the house, presumably, yeah. If it's smaller than a quarter, you can hang out, buddy. It's fine. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Let's just chill. He doesn't want to be found at that point. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a myth about spiders. Actually, a couple myths. One is that like you eat spiders in your sleep, Mm. which it's just Mm -hmm. not going to happen. Spiders don't want to be eaten by you. They don't want to get in there. No. So that's that's. Uh, th- there's really not truth to that. Mm-hmm. The other one is that spiders will lay eggs in your ears or your brain. Mm, a very popular uh, scary stories to tell in the dark story. Yeah. About, or yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. a spider lays eggs in someone's skin or something. Mm-hmm. Is that the one? Yeah. She like thinks she has a zit. And, and then... it's just spiders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So spiders, fortunately, all of the spiders out there uh they don't want to do that they don't want to be inside you that's the last thing they want very rarely a spider might crawl in your ear that is not because they want to lay eggs they're not going to lay eggs in your brain they're not going to like drill a hole into your skull they just Mm -hmm. think your ear is like a little cozy spot uh they they mistake it for like a little nook or cranny they don't realize you're alive if they did they would freak out it'd be (laughs) like it'd be like if you were seeking refuge in a cave and then you realize the cave is like the ear of a gargantuan monster you Mm -hmm. would freak out you'd be scared yeah this doesn't happen very often but when a spider crawls into someone's ear it's a complete mistake they're not there to lay eggs and if that ever happens or if any bug crawls in your ear do not panic don't like try to dig it out with your fingers don't go in there with tweezers or like a cotton swab because mm-hmm. that can either damage your ear or you can like scare the the insect and it will actually crawl deeper not because it's trying to like get into right, your brain because you're yeah. scaring it because you're like yeah right like if you're again imagine you know go take a trip down to imagination station imagine you're in a cave it's it's like it's kind of cold outside and you find this mm-hmm. cozy little cave oh, and you finally. go inside and it's nice and warm in fact it's like weirdly warm you're like oh mm-hmm. this is nice and cozy 
And then suddenly you like hear this low rumbling and then this giant appendage come in to try to like grab you. You're going to like run deeper into the cave and then like the Mm -hmm. giant monster inside is going to freak out even more. So what you should do is just go to a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) What you should do. Yeah, so so if you if you think there's like a bug in your ear or something, go to a doctor and they will be able to remove it without like shoving anything probably in your ear. Usually I think what doctors do is or they might put something in your ear but they're a doctor and they're allowed to do that. <laughs> so usually what they will do is they'll actually flush it out with some saline and and the little spider or or whatever insect will just come out surfing on a wave of saline. Uh, because that way, that way, it just like kind of flushes it out, and then it mm-hmm. it's, it will also like want to get out. Uh, like it'll swim to the surface of the saline if there's water in there, and and it's just a much less traumatic way to get a bug out of your ear than to go after it with um, tweezers. But mm-hmm. also, this is probably never going to happen to you. It's extremely rare. I mean, this is why it's newsworthy. Like it's very right, very yeah. rare that a bug goes in your ear. Mm-hmm. So. You don't need to be afraid of spiders. They don't they don't uh, lay eggs under your skin. They don't lay eggs in your ears. But before you breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> oh, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> there are insects that will do this. And one of the yes. <laughs> one of the creepiest ones, in my opinion, are screw worms. So, Ooh. you know, this is the part where I warn you this section's going to get a little gross. Mm. Um you know, if you want to skip ahead, like if you have trypophobia or fear of like insects, like parasites, human, mm-hmm. you know, kind of parasites, mm-hmm. uh, you can join back in at part three. At We're actually in part three. We're going to talk about a fish that allegedly swims up people's urethras. So if oh, that yeah. also sounds too gross, <laughs> maybe the rest of this episode isn't for you. And I'll see you next week. <laughs> But if you want to skip the screwworm section and you want to come back just for the penis fish one, mm-hmm. um, you know, join us back in at this timestamp. <laughs> Take it away, future Katie. Forty-one fifty-five. All right. So for those past of you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, future Katie. And, and now back to past Katie. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to talk about screwworms and how horrifying they really are. So these are. New World Screwworm Flies, which are found throughout the humid areas of the Americas. So the adult version looks benign, just like a standard fly. Mm-hmm. I In the show notes, I've included a picture of the, the adult in the larva and mm-hmm. absolutely no other pictures of what happens with screwworms. Thank worms. you for that. Thank you for staring. If you're curious what they look like, but you don't want to see like body horror stuff, you can look at the doc link below and there's no body horror stuff, just the fly and just the maggot. Mm-hmm. If you're curious to see what they look like, I recommend against Googling if you are grossed out by, you know, medical pictures yeah. and body horror stuff. You don't want to see that. Again, the adult looks pretty innocuous, just like yeah, I was gonna say, these both look very, yeah, normal. You got a normal yeah. little larva, a normal, normal fly. fly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're called screw worms because the you can see the larva is kind of like segmented. So it's like kind mm-hmm. of, I guess, screw-like in a way. It's sort of like tapered and it's got like, it looks maybe like it has screw threads or something. But it's not it's not that alarming looking, really. No, Just, not at all. If yeah. I saw that going around, I'd be like, checks out. That's yeah, a bug. Yeah, it's fine. You would not, you would not yeah. uh, start to worry about it 
getting inside your body, but no. you probably should. So <laughs> female screw flies will lay their eggs in the wounds or bodily openings of animals, including Ooh. on occasion humans. So the eggs only take about 24 hours to hatch and the Whoa. developing larva will start to feed on the flesh and fluids of their host. So mm. on at least one occasion, they have gotten into a human ear uh, and <laughs> on multiple occasions, they have gotten inside human skin. Usually like if you have a, a open wound or something, uh, mm -hmm. it's the the flies don't like uh, bite you and put it inside you, but they mm -hmm. um, look for an opening, like a literal opening. <laughs> they wait yeah. for a literal opening. But this could even be something like in newborn animals, often like they infect livestock. And so a newborn calf or something, they go for the the belly button because they're mm. attracted to the smell of of uh Blood, eating flesh. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so, like for they don't, they won't typically go for like an adult's belly button because that's healed over. But for mm -hmm. a newborn calf, like it still smells kind of bloody. They go in there, and it's uh, it's gross. You don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. This condition of a larva living inside uh, human tissue is known medically as myiasis, and it is gross and bad, and you don't want it to happen to you. <laughs> Bad. In my <laughs> official medical opinion, it's gross and bad. <laughs> Agree. In, in my official non-medical opinion, it's gross and bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the way that screwworms differ from most maggots is that screwworms actually feed on live tissue, not just mm. dead necrotic tissue. So yeah, I was going to say, because like, you know, growing up in... Michigan every once in a while yeah you'd see like a roadkill or something and, and and speaking from experience you're a kid you go over and look at the roadkill yeah it's like covered in maggots yeah you poke like, it with oh, a stick and you're like hey yeah, yeah the process I'm, I'm learning I'm learning yeah so maggot infested wounds while mm -hmm. disgusting is not necessarily a horrible problem in fact maggots can actually help with wound healing sometimes not that i recommend letting your wound get to the point where it's infested right. with maggots without but going to the eat doctor dead flesh. Yeah, but they just they'll... eat the dead flesh mm -hmm. and in fact there are like medical grade maggots that are like sterile that on occasion very rarely then it's not the typical use of them but if you mm -hmm. have some necrotic tissue problems where it's hard to hard to it's called debriding the the necrotic tissue so it's like when there's dead tissue mm -hmm. and uh you want to like get rid of the dead tissue so it doesn't become infected and so they can actually use medical maggots to to get rid of that dead tissue so mm -hmm. so uh maggots in general while disgusting are not mm -hmm. really that dangerous actually mm -hmm. but screwworms will eat healthy tissue and that's very very bad uh, so, uh, screwworms will inside their host, which is typically not humans. Humans are not their primary target. It's usually other mammals. It can even be smaller mammals. If the if it's a small enough mammal, like like something like a, a rodent mm -hmm. or like a baby livestock or something, they can even feed on the live tissue of their host until their host dies. Whoa. Uh, and very rarely humans can die of screwworm infections. Usually that's be it's because of not because they've like eaten away at too much tissue, but it's because of getting an infection and 
and the the result from that. Mm -hmm. um, before you panic, uh, the U.S. eradicated screwworms in 1982. So, so screwworms are endemic to the Americas. So, mm. uh, mostly like like uh, in sort of the southern areas of the U.S. and in South America. Mm -hmm. Again, so so in 1982, the U.S. eradicated screwworms. They actually used something called the sterile insect technique where sterile males, so males that can't reproduce, uh -huh. are released to flood the dating pool of Whoa. flies. Oh, wow! And they steal mates from fertile males. Mm -hmm. So it's basically like you release all these infertile males, and then they compete with fertile males. Mm -hmm. And so some of these uh, females will mate with these sterile males and then blow their chance to have offspring. And mm. then the next generation, there's less of them. And then you repeat this over and over again until you can, like, Ow. basically decimate a population. There was actually an outbreak of screwworms in Florida in 2016. So just because we got rid of them for the most part doesn't mean that mm -hmm. they don't sometimes come back. I think that uh, it was a pretty, pretty good, uh, good job of eradicating. A yeah, which we, that's wild. Yeah, which, you know, I don't know enough about the... Uh, sort of, you know, food pyramid of screwworms mm -hmm. to know like what effect that would have or had on the environment. Um, so it's like it's one of these things where it's like you balance like the human need of of these right over the nature, right? You exactly. know, creating worms that can you know burrow into skin. <laughs> right. skin. Yeah, right. yeah. And it yeah. was like a big problem with livestock too, not just like humans. Mm -hmm. So big, big problem with like our our food chain, but. On the other hand, it's it's sort of like I wouldn't say I, I don't think that these insects should go extinct because I think that would mm -hmm. represent a big problem. But on the other hand, I don't think they ever will. So uh, yeah. it's kind of like with it's mm -hmm. kind of like with mosquitoes when we control mosquito populations. It's like, well, mosquitoes are actually very important mm -hmm. for uh, f to sustain a lot of species that that eat them as food yeah but i also don't think we're ever gonna they're never gonna go extinct but but it's important to be careful because this like sterile insect technique is very powerful right we definitely don't want to overuse yeah. or accidentally use it on a species that you know yeah yeah exactly wasn't asking for it yeah you no know. <laughs> and so guatemala belize and el salvador also eradicated their screwworm population mexico nicaragua costa rica panama and jamaica are still uh fighting to eliminate their populations so mm -hmm. it's not as much of a problem as it used to be in the past but that doesn't mean there's zero chance of mm -hmm. having mm -hmm. an issue with them uh, there's actually uh, what's really interesting is there was a 1977 short story called The Screwfly Solution by Alice Sheldon. Uh, it was a sci-fi short story that described a horrific epidemic of men murdering women and men starting these cults that were like these religious cults saying like women are evil and would murder them for uh, these religious reasons, whereas mm -hmm. other men just like would do it randomly. And some men who were like good people, like isolated themselves to try to prevent themselves from murdering women. But eventually, like only a few women are left uh uh, surviving on Earth. So major spoilers for the short story. If mm. you want to just read it instead of listening to me, describe it. Uh, one of the women discovers that the cause of this murder epidemic is that an alien species is using a version of the sterile insect technique 
on humans. So an, an alien species is causing uh, men's sex drives to turn into murderous impulses because the aliens want to eradicate humans so they can live on Earth instead. So, oh, yeah, you huh. know, yeah. I mean, I'm not against it. <laughs> oh God! Listen, Wait a minute! <laughs> Wait a minute! What? Am I? Yeah. How many eyes do you have, Maggie? Uh, currently, Three, or nor- how many am I planning amount. for? <laughs> the normal amount. It's. It was also used in another as inspiration for another uh, story in mm-hmm. Carmen Mola's 2018 detective novel, Not Novia Gitana. Uh, describes mm-hmm. the screwworm being used as a very slow murder weapon by the murderer inserting eggs into a victim's body. Whoa. Yeah. That's like a fun, like, you know, it's a fun villain. Yeah. Like a yeah. fun thing to have in your pocket. Fun yeah. murder weapon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I lo- it's interesting because I, I think that they, they have been a great inspiration for mm-hmm. for some some fun fun stories. Fun, lighthearted stories, you know, a little, little light romp about aliens killing off humans and, mm-hmm. and you know, flesh-eating larvae being used as a murder weapon. Real fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> checks out. It all checks out. Checks out. Well, when we get back, we're actually going to talk about something a little less gruesome, simply a fish that supposedly swims up your urethra ah that's that's kitty stuff and after eats, what we went yeah, through yeah and eats penises it's totally fine just you know whatever don't have one so yeah. <laughs> this is yeah Listen, i'm not worried Listen. at all <laughs> do you dream of a healthier life but education feels out of reach trinity school of natural health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Maggie, I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people have heard of the kanduru penis fish. Mm. Uh, It is a fish that allegedly will swim up your pee stream Mm -hmm. and go inside of your pee hole. Uh, I think it's typically the idea is that it goes inside a penis. So if you have a penis Mm -hmm. and you go to a river 
in the Amazon where these fish live. Allegedly, mm -hmm. the story goes, you pee, you've got a nice, I guess, a nice strong stream of urine. Yeah, I was going to say it's warm, so it's, <laughs> presumably that's sure. part of it. <laughs> but you, you, you must, it's got to be like a steady stream, I guess. It can't mm -hmm. be like drunk peeing, right? Where you just right. like spraying everywhere. Yeah. yeah, no. And then this little fish, uh, apparently, according to legend, will swim up this pee stream, go right inside your pee hole. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't even notice it, I guess. And then grow inside there and either eat your penis or just hang out in there. Mm -hmm. That part's unclear. Mm -hmm. This was made popular by an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Noted oh! very accurate <laughs> medical show. Very yes. accurate. Yes, I actually only watched that show to diagnose yeah, my friends, not even yeah, my exactly. friends when they come to me. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm basically like a doctor now, and I think you yeah. have uh, a rare case of necrotizing fasciitis. Like, I have mm -hmm. a headache. Yeah, I think you should go to the hospital. Yeah, you should go. <laughs> also, if there's any hot doctors just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of, it does give you the sense that like every doctor is going to be super, super hot. Whereas like, mm -hmm. not to say doctors aren't hot. Right. Most doctors are just your regular, you know, like, all right, well, let's take a look inside of you. You know, they're not going to be like, and now hand me the forceps. Wow, it's getting hot in here. I'm going to have to unbutton my lab coat. Mm -hmm. While I take <laughs> out the fish that's in your penis. <laughs> so a little background. A man comes in with like, he's unable to urinate. He's got some swelling and some pain mm -hmm. in the whole, you know, sort of penis area. Uh, and the doctors are scratching their heads, like what's going on? And so mm -hmm. they had they could they ruled out some other common urinary problems. And so they took an X-ray, and they're trying to make sense of this X-ray. And uh, here, here it is. Here's their very realistic doctor discussion. Penis fish? Oops, I, I did it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me wind it back a little longer. Amazing. Hang on. <laughs> Whoopsies. Penis fish. Penis fish? All right, I'm going to wind it back just a little further. Hmm. Looks like some kind of foreign object. Ouch. That almost looks like a skeleton. It's skeleton like, definitely skeleton y. Are those barbs? No. Can't be. Oh, it could be. It looks like a teeny tiny catfish. It's close. See there? Those are spines. This is a kangaroo fish. The penis fish? This guy has the penis fish. In, in his, in his, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the penis fish? This guy has the penis fish. In his penis? <laughs> like, yeah. In his wow. penis? The penis wow. fish. He's got the penis fish. God, in his penis? Um, yeah. Latin in his music. penis, no less. The music as yeah, well really adds a lot. Record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> you zoom in on the x-ray of the fish. It's like, yeah. see that? That's me. I'm the mm. kangaroo. Wonder how I got here. Well, it all started when. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So is this, is this real? Uh, it's. This is a real fish. What's going mm -hmm. on? What are these fake doctors talking about? 
Mm-hmm. Well, so the kangaroo is a very real fish, but the rumors of its affinity for the human penis may be slightly overstated or maybe greatly overstated. Mm. It's a bit of a puzzle. So the kangaroo is a small, thin catfish found in freshwater rivers of the Amazon. It's also called a toothpick fish because they're so slender. So they can grow up as adults to be up to 7 inches or 2.5 centimeters long, but younger ones can be very small and thin. Mm -hmm. So maybe just a bit thicker than a toothpick. So the idea is that while they're little, they could like get up inside of your urethra. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly straining. Yeah, if you... Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay, great. So what do we absolutely know about kangaroos? They mm-hmm. are blood suckers. They will enter the gill cavities of fish and suck on the fish's blood. So to anchor themselves, they will actually erect spines that they have on their own gills to stick inside the gills of their victims so they can go in there and suck on blood. And it's actually mm-hmm. kind of weird because they can sort of like a leech, like become sort of engorged with blood. So they start off really thin and then they get like this full belly of blood. It's it's pretty weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know, onto the legend, it's that they will swim up your, I guess, very healthy pee stream and into your urethra if you have a penis. Now, this legend has been around for centuries. Um, In the 19 or in the 1800s, biologist C.F.P. von Martius, who was, I guess, a German biologist, studying stuff in the Amazon, he was told about a fish that was attracted to the smell of urine and may swim up your pee hole. Now, the problem with this legend is that there's no evidence that kangaroos are attracted at all to urine, and they seem to hunt by sight, not by smell. Hmm. So that doesn't really check out. Yeah. In 1855, another biologist was regaled with tales of a fish that would swim up pee streams. Um, but the explanation of the fish being able to traverse the stream of urine actually defies the laws of physics. That's oh, not possible. That's not possible, huh? It would need a type of propulsion. The fluid dynamics of it don't make sense. Yeah, that... Uh, no, none yeah, of it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this mm-hmm. idea that like a salmon could, you know, like like salmons who like jump up a waterfall, but somehow you could do that like in a stream of pee and it would just like mm-hmm. swim up it. Actually impossible from a fluid dynamic and fish physics perspective. Yes. It's thought that maybe this aspect of the legend comes from fish gathering at the site where the pee enters the water. Because, like, if you're peeing in the water, it creates this little disturbance on the surface of the water. And fish Mm -hmm. may swim swim up to it, not because they like the smell of pee, like they're little freaks, or that they want to swim up your pee stream magically using their magic fluid dynamics stuff. It's actually just because any kind of small disturbance on the surface of the water may attract some fish because they're like, oh, you know, is this like a fly or something that got stuck on the surface of the water? What is it? They're Mm -hmm. curious. They think maybe it's food. Maybe it's something of interest to them. Could a kangaroo ever swim inside of, of your urethra? I don't think it could do it by traveling up a pee stream. If you're Mm -hmm. like in the water, could it potentially get inside like a a penis's pee hole? 
Maybe, but it's not certain whether we really have any documented evidence of this. Uh, we're going to talk about the only case that may be the evidence of that in a little bit. But one thing we do know is that despite this being sort of pitched as something only people with penises have to worry about, if you've got a vagina, you're actually much more likely to have to tangle with the kangaroo. <laughs> uh, it's not that it's going to go up your urethra because, you know, female anatomy, the vagina is not the urethra. The urethra is mm. separated from the vagina. The entrance of the vagina just goes up into the vaginal cavity. And then there's the cervix that blocks that from the uh, uterus. So mm. there are a few documented cases in the late 1800s of the kangaroo entering the vagina, but uh, it was easily extracted uh, didn't really harm the person mm -hmm. at all. And that's a bit easier to accomplish than going up a narrow urethra. Uh, narrow yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's a little more room, you know? Right, so, exactly. Yeah, a little yeah. room here. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. again, this was probably a mistake. The kangaroo was thinking that it was going in the gills of a fish that it normally preys on. But oops, it's, it's you know, a oops. vagina. Yeah. <laughs> oops. Yeah. Dang it. So in 1997, the only documented case of a kangaroo entering a penis occurred in Brazil. The 23-year-old man claimed a kangaroo jumped from the river into his penis as he was urinating. This incident is contentious for a number of reasons, which were thoroughly examined by American marine biologist Stephen Spotty, who investigated and wrote a book in 2002 called Kandaroo, Life and Legend of the Blood-Sucking Catfishes. So he hmm. looked at this story and examined some of the problems with how the incident was presented. He didn't say like, oh, this is a total lie or anything. He just right. said these things, these aspects of the story don't quite make sense. So mm -hmm. either there are some mistakes in like how this this uh, um, was recorded or some misunderstandings or maybe some aspects of it were made up. Mm -hmm. You know, people have been known to lie about things yeah, on occasion. To be human is to err. Yeah. <laughs> describing the, what came up on to be human is genital. to Yes, to be human is to err <laughs> on what went up your penis hole. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so the victim claimed that the kangaroo leapt out of the water via his pee stream into his urethra. So this is the typical story in the folktale. But again, like we described earlier, this version has been thoroughly disproved just by pee physics. It can't really happen. Mm -hmm. um, the more likely way of this happening would be if you are waist deep and your, your penis is actually in the water, mm -hmm. then perhaps like it could go up inside. Um, it would have to be very small, a juvenile, but, you know, maybe. Mm -hmm. But this isn't what he described. So either he was dis mistakenly thought that's when it went up, like maybe it got in earlier and he didn't realize it got in when he was like submerged and mm -hmm. he just assumed this is how it happened or, or he was like not telling the truth. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and just say like, he, this is what he figured happened, but it's that's not what really happened. Like it must have happened uh, when it like went up uh, when he was like submerged in water. So mm -hmm. um, not necessarily lying, but there's no way for it to actually go 
into the pea stream. So he would be mistaken about that. Right. Another weird thing is that the fish specimen from the alleged incident was preserved, but its head was too big to fit inside a urethra. Um, Mm -hmm. So the timeline is off because he was saying he had this happen right after, like, like he went to the doctor pretty quickly. Right. After this incident. So in order for the fish to get inside, it would require way more force than the fish would be capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Again, like the only way for this to happen without without it just being completely made up would be this person mistakenly thought this was when he was infected with it. But w- when in fact a lot earlier, a small like a baby one went up in to, yeah. and then like grew inside of him somehow. <laughs> Worse. Worse. Which that's again, worse. <laughs> I, this is just conjecture because I'm not sure that's possible. Right. But right. I'm just again, I'm trying. I'm trying to present the version of events in which, like, it's not just like a big lie. Right. It's just right. a misunderstanding, mm-hmm. <laughs> which often happens when it comes to, you know, when a penis or a fish goes in your penis. Yeah. The doctor who documented the case claimed that the kangaroo is attracted to urine. Which, again, that's a myth that has long been debunked. So already this doctor has made a mistake in, you know, his own understanding of the situation. This same doctor claimed that the kangaroo had chewed its way into the victim's scrotum. But a kangaroo does not have the jaw force to do such a thing. So, again, there's a couple of fishy things, no pun intended, with what the doctor is claiming here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Penis Fish, again, oh... I forgot to mention the doctor in the Grey's Anatomy episode that the urologist who was examining this was called Dr. Fisher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my yo, no. Wow. That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I mean, your name is May Fish, so obviously yeah. you have to become a urologist and specialize in the kangaroo fish because that's how it works. And that's how it works. And actually, it's Pretty exciting to find my calling. Right, you know? I know. I mean, this video essay, you, you have a great following on YouTube, but like, no, was that really your true calling or was it penis Right, fish? was this all just set up for me yeah. to discover this? Yeah. That like, Absolutely. A penis fish? He's got a penis Pernal? fish? <laughs> in his penis? The penis fish? It's in his penis? <laughs> ah, fantastic writing. <laughs> in this like quote-unquote, real-life incident, the the doctor again made another spurious claim saying that he had to clip the fish's spines to extract it, Uh, but all of those spines were intact on the preserved specimens, so Hmm. that's not lining up either. So there was a a cystoscopy video. So a cystoscope is a small camera in light that goes into tight body spaces for surgeries or exams, Mm -hmm. and there is a video of it But in this video, it shows the fish carcass being pulled out by forceps, which uh, the author of this book contends would be impossible given the preserved specimen spikes being intact because they would like kind of snag on something. So Mm -hmm. maybe the specimen is not the actual one or something, something is going on. But this video does exist. So it's like, well... What what is ha- like? Did they like fake this video to go along with all this stuff, or are there only certain aspects of the story that are that are not quite being told accurately? So I don't know if this is conclusively disproving the kangaroo story because I'm not really sure why both the doctor and patient would make everything up. 
like just for attention or something, and they'd have to be working together to make it all up. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm not sure it's a, like a hundred percent hoax. It could be, but right. my my guess would be it's like it's only partially true, and then there's you know some exaggeration going on. Mm -hmm. I think this may be. I mean, it could it could be a hoax though, because again, this is a this is a folk tale that has mm -hmm. long been, you know, so it's got this sort of popularity. But sometimes folk tales have a grain of truth in it. So there could be, uh, you know, this could have an origin, not just in complete like, like, so, so you could have some truth to it, right? So if the, mm -hmm. the kangaroo goes up, you know, if you're like submerged in the water and then it enters that way and then it's like it goes in when it's really small and then it just gets stuck and then gets bigger or something later on. Maybe that's what happens, and then these other aspects of the myth are are made up just because that's people assume this is what happens that you like uh, that that it swims up your pee stream or something. But I don't I don't know because like I don't even like how would if something is like growing inside like a little fish is growing inside like it seems like mm -hmm. that would still obstruct your uh, your urinary flow. So it seems like you'd yeah. have problems for a while. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I, I yeah. I'm very skeptical, though. I'm mm -hmm. skeptical, right? Like, if freak, if animal freak accidents happen, but yeah, this seems like you know, yeah, man, yeah, it'd be hard. It'd be yeah. hard for that little fish. To... Yeah, but it's certainly it's not a fish that hunts down human penises and goes inside <laughs> to eat the penis. That part is yes. absolutely not true. If it does right. happen, it's an accident. Mm -hmm. But there is such a thing as parasitic castration. It's just not mm -hmm. something that happens to humans, thank God. Oh, uh, thank goodness. Yeah. I thought you were about to reveal just <laughs> no. the most terrible no. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but if you're a crab or another type of animal, this may happen. Uh, and we'll probably, even, like we've talked about on the show, carcinization, er, like the universe trends towards crabs. Maybe one day we'll evolve into crabs and we're going to have to worry about the crab gonad eating parasite, the Saculina carcini. So the Saculina carcini is a parasitic barnacle. I know you wouldn't think like barnacles could be parasites. They seem mm -hmm. like harmless little things that like sit on a whale and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah. there there are types of barnacles because like the barnacle itself, uh, it's not always just this like sort of hard shell that it forms. It is like a, a free swimming little like sort of worm like thing. Mm -hmm. And so this one, the, the Saculina carcini, uh, can take over a crab's intestines, stomach, and nervous system near its underbelly and Whoa. feed on nutrients from the crab. And what this does is even though it doesn't like only specifically eat its gonads by mm -hmm. depriving, like siphoning off all these nutrients, the gonads fail to fully develop uh, mm -hmm. inside of these poor crabs. So... Males will actually grow up to look a bit more like females uh, mm -hmm. because they don't have the the male hormones that would be produced in their t their uh, gonads. And females will actually like, they can also be infected. They just end up being a little more narrow uh, than mm -hmm. other females because of the nutrient depletion. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting when they infect males because it, it changes their behavior in a very strange way. So oh, that's wild. Somehow that's wild. this this parasitic barnacle causes the crab 
to help raise the brood of these little parasitic barnacles, grooming them like it's their own brood of eggs, which is mm-hmm. strange because they're a male and they would not naturally right. ever have eggs. So yeah. uh, clearly there is some kind of like male, like these male crabs still have the capacity to have these like female crab instincts. It's very interesting. Whoa. So they'll groom them like they're their own brood sack and then mm-hmm. release them like that, like because crabs do this thing when they're ready to release eggs where they kind of like go up uh, in the in the waves and kind of like bob and shake and shimmy mm-hmm. to get the eggs off of their abdomen and they kind of like usher them on um, for their own eggs. But they do this. The males will do this for the parasitic barnacle offspring, which is it's like very strange, very strange. Wow, hormones are fascinating yes. and wild. Yeah. Yes. So it is an kind of heartwarmingly messed up situation. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Wow. You know, it's mm-hmm. like kind of cute in a way. Like, well, I guess I'm a mommy. You know, and then they go yeah, off and yeah. do their thing. I'm a zombie mommy. <laughs> Yeah, zom- yeah, zombie mommies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very, very strange. Very interesting. But I'll, I'll probably talk about more cases of uh, parasitic castration on uh, another episode. But I think I think we only need to do one example of it for us. <laughs> <laughs> that is that. That's probably the wildest animal fact I've heard in a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, so parasites one. are, mm. they're fascinating because when they modify their host's behavior in such a strange way, it's like mm-hmm. with screw flies, like they are a parasite, but they, they, they're they just gross and bad and yeah. they hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> Eat your flesh. It's like, okay, I get it. But mm-hmm. when you have these very devious parasites that are like, you're the mom now. And it's like, yeah, the crab is like, the I guess I'm a mom. <laughs> parasites, all right. Wee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so strange. So, so Bye. very strange and, and, and interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, we don't really need to fear the kangaroo. Uh, we don't even need to fear these parasitic barnacles until the inevitable day that we evolve into crabs. So yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that day. So <laughs> Look, yeah, you know what? Scuttling. I feel like scuttling <laughs> is underrated, and I want to do more of it. I want to scuttle. Yeah, I want to scuttle, scuttle too. about. Scuttling mm-hmm. is fun. Mm-hmm. You ever scuttled? Ever gotten I- into good scuttling? I skip, which I guess is like the human equivalent to a scuttle. <laughs> um, I've also rolling down hills, which nice. also feels kind of like a, yeah, yeah, a nice I, little scuttle. Yeah, you know, when I was actually a kid, um, I learned about this is kind of a tangent, but like I learned mm-hmm. about how lemurs because they kind of like hop side to side, they do this like sachet mm. kind of thing, and it looked really fun, so I started doing it, and then I found it's actually a really easy way to get around. So I, you know, do yeah. this little lemur sacheting through the house, and my parents just thought I was just like dancing around. I was like, no, this is actually a very efficient method of yeah, locomotion. No, I, I'm walking better than other humans. These lemurs are onto walk. something, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, scuttling. Uh, uh-huh. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. As long as you don't get infected by a barnacle parasite that's gonna, gonna make your nads kind of not work. <laughs> that's the downside. To that's scuttling. the downside. That's a little bit of a downside. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think we've busted some some folk tales and unbusted some not yet folk um, tales, but yeah. you know, that probably should be some, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you said, like this, uh, you know, I feel like you went through a lot of things that I had heard that I should be afraid of. Um, 
and yeah, I think we have all correctly aligned ourselves um, to be afraid of uh, those little zombie crap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like it's a it's I like to reassure and then unassure. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Don't get too comfortable now that I've reassured you. This <laughs> is okay. Now here's here's um here's a little spice. <laughs> here's the alternative that here's you the milk say. and now here's the spice yeah yeah uh yeah. well thank you so much for being on today and for patiently listening through some of the more horrifying things we talk about <laughs> hey where can people find you on the internet oh yeah uh if people want to find me uh you can uh look me up on twitter and youtube just at my name maggie mayfish m-a-e is how you spell my middle name <laughs> not the month um yeah on uh twitter i'm usually just making jokes and on youtube um i do some fun film analysis so check it out if that's your thing yes do check that out she's got a very good video on on cat the, the movie yeah if you're into animals that one might be the one for you <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you can find the show on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That's very different. And if you want to send me in your questions, your pet pictures, your your crab pictures, uh, CreatureFeaturePod at gmail.com is the place to go. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, if you're enjoying the show and you have like a spare minute to press some buttons, if you leave a rating and review, that actually really, really, really helps. I know I say this every week, but it truly does. And every time I read a new review, it makes my day. Uh, so thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard in your ear holes, not filled with spiders, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Where are you going to listen to your Wherever you listen to your favorite shows, I don't judge you. I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye, guys. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Redwood Forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait.
Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.